and welcome to Under the Dome, the State Journal Register's podcast about Illinois politics and government. I'm SJR political writer Bernie Schoenberg. With me, SJR State House reporter Doug Finke. Doug, it's a uh, difficult time in the country. It's a difficult time in the state. Uh, coronavirus has kind of uh, taken on a lot of what we're talking about and reacting to what's going on over at the State House. Yeah, and uh, it's. Uh, uh Coming home to roost, uh, we have the legislative session, the spring session going on right now, and uh, uh, lawmakers were supposed to be back in town uh, for three days after the election next week, and those days are now canceled. Um, Their calendar calls for them to be in session for two additional weeks before taking two weeks off uh, for spring break. Uh, It wouldn't necessarily surprise me if one or both of those additional weeks were uh, ultimately canceled and uh, uh, leave lawmakers with a long break and then come back. Uh, hopefully some of this uh, um, concern, for lack of a better word, over the uh, coronavirus will have died down by then. Right. Now, I know that uh, people have joked for years, you know, hold your wallet or whatever when the legislature's in session. But uh, given your vast experience watching that process, uh, are they is it going to make it more difficult for various agenda items for certain politicians to get done this year if they are not having those meetings? Or do we think things can go on behind the scenes? I guess that's just asking you to speculate. Uh, yeah, and I'll speculate. I mean, there's there's things that can be worked out and often are uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and, you know, lawmakers continue to talk to each other. In this day and age, uh, you, you can share a lot of information uh, that you couldn't have uh, uh, 50 years ago or not as easily anyway. So uh, the talks can still go on. Um, as we know, um, the one thing that was really important for legislators to do is pass a budget. Uh, although we, we've seen, unfortunately, the state can even get by without a budget, uh, although not very well. But uh, yeah. So the, the one thing they have to do by the end of May is pass a budget. And if it really got to be an emergency situation, I'm sure they could do that and uh, uh, hold a bunch of these other issues uh, over for another time. I mean, the fact of the matter is of the hundreds and hundreds of bills that get considered in the General Assembly every year, only a tiny, tiny fraction of them are really uh, uh, of statewide interest and earth-shattering interest, and uh, uh, the world can get by without uh, addressing a whole lot of them. Yeah, there's also a steady stream during spring sessions of groups of people who come in to uh, rally and uh, lobby and buttonhole legislators all over the place. Of course, if the legislature's not in session, that's not happening, but also the Secretary of State has put some restrictions on large groups in the building. So it's really going to change the character of um, much of what usually happens in the spring over there. Yeah, I mean, uh, anyone who's been around here knows that uh, when the legislature's in session, uh, this building can get very crowded, especially uh, uh, various interest groups like to hold rallies in the rotunda um, and uh, elsewhere on the grounds that uh, can draw, well, in the case of the uh, uh, gun rights uh, people, that can draw hundreds and hundreds of people to the uh, to the Capitol. Um, in the interest of caution, as the Secretary of State said, they have... Uh, uh, canceled all permits they've previously issued to groups to uh, hold those kind of rallies. Uh, same goes with school groups. A lot of uh, uh, school groups come through in the spring to tour the Capitol and the other Lincoln sites in town. Uh, 
they're not going to be uh, permitted into the building. Uh, that's not to say that the building is closed. It's still a public building that's open to people, but uh, you're not going to see uh, a busload after busload uh, pull up in front of the building and unload passengers so they can come inside and, and demonstrate. Right. They're basically curtailing tours for the time being or uh, or regular tours. Well, that's, that's interesting. Also, the governor uh, and his top officials uh, with health and emergency management at some points are holding daily briefings lately, uh, and I guess they're just trying to keep on top of it uh, and helping negotiate things like the uh, cancellation or, or at least uh, putting off the St. Patrick's Day parade in Chicago, uh, more than one parade there, and uh, the governor and also... apparently the one in Springfield. That's right. Now. The, um, apparently the governor or his people got in contact with our, our own mayor in Springfield, and we were going to have a parade on Saturday, and now it's postponed as well. Yeah, uh, we, we got confirmation from the governor's office that he did, in fact, talk to the mayor and uh, expressed reservations about the whole idea that Springfield was going to go ahead with their parade when... Uh, parades in, uh, I don't know how many other towns were... I heard Chicago and Belleville and Peoria, perhaps, yes. Right, and, you know, this is in keeping with uh, uh, not having large crowds gathered in one place. Uh, as as we are recording this, uh, news is coming out. We already know that the NBA has suspended the rest of its season. The National Hockey League has followed suit. Uh, Major League Baseball is postponing uh, opening day for at least two weeks. Um, you know, so uh, you know when the Major League sports teams, which have uh, billions of dollars riding on these contests taking place, are willing to put things in abeyance, the idea that uh, Springfield is going to go ahead with uh, a St. Patrick's Day parade in defiance of pretty much everyone. Uh, I think caught the governor's attention and he let some people know what he thought about that idea. Wow. Things have certainly taken a a very serious turn very quickly. Um, Moving on a bit, uh, there were a couple of uh, legislators from Central Illinois, uh, Avery Bourne and Tim Butler, who uh, went before the press at a press conference uh, this week to uh, say that they think the automatic voter registration system, which mostly runs through the Secretary of State's office, you are offered when you go to get a driver's license or update one or other documents in their facilities, uh, they say, do you want to register to vote? And, and you do. Um, more than 700,000 people, and it might even be more than 800,000 people, have been registered to vote that way. But problems keep coming up. And uh, Butler and Bourne, who have been watching this carefully, uh, noted that news just came out that another 1,100 people had names passed on to local election authorities saying they did not want to register when, in fact, they said they did. Uh, Dave Drucker of the Secretary of State's office said there was like a communication problem, uh, a duplicate answer. Somebody might have gotten a regular driver's license and yet said yes. Then when they went to get a real ID, uh, they thought they had answered the question yes, so they said no, and it got passed on as no, and the Secretary of State's been going over records apparently for several weeks or maybe even a few months, came up with 1,100 names to pass along. In Sangamon County, uh, there were uh, 19 or 20 such people. They have been registered, but Don Gray, the local state's attorney, said uh, that there were another n- number of people who uh, they, they, it was passed along as if they had not asked uh, to be registered to vote before the May 1st deadline to register uh, when in fact they had. So there were another like 80 or 81 or 82 people that 
should have been registered and now are, uh, but there was also a glitch in information from the Secretary of State's office. Butler says uh, he has lost confidence in the Secretary of State to carry on this program. He and Bourne have resolutions and legislation in to call for an independent audit of the whole system, which started in mid-2018, and also uh, to... uh, put it on hold uh, until the end of 2021 so any bugs can be worked out. According to the State Board of Elections uh, and also the Secretary of State's office, things are running fine and well enough uh, and will continue on. And of course, Butler and Bourne are in the Republican minority in the House. So uh, if there's not a broader consensus, nothing will happen. But it has been a lot of bad publicity. And Doug, I don't know, as other election problems uh, have been talked about for a few years, this probably doesn't help the image of Illinois elections, uh, no matter how big or small a problem it really is. No, it doesn't help the image at all, and it's, it's really unfortunate because uh, the numbers involved uh, are uh, tiny compared to the total number of people who have uh, been registered to vote, and the idea obviously is uh, to get people registered, or at least for a lot of people, the, the idea is to get a lot of people registered and participating in the, the election system. So... Um, they're right. Even it reflects badly on the system and the ability to uh, make sure that it is uh, secure and accurate, uh, uh, even if it's a, a small number of uh, uh, registrations involved. Right, and it is interesting. Obviously, the Secretary of State Jesse White is a Democrat. These two people, uh, Bourne and Butler, are Republicans. Butler made the point, as he has repeatedly, this was bipartisan legislation. Got a lot of. Republican support, or at least some, when it passed, it was signed into law by Governor Rauner, who was certainly a conservative Republican in so many ways. Uh, and it's being implemented mostly by Jesse White. It is also true there are four other state agencies are supposed to uh, be passing along registration information to local boards of election, to the state board of elections, and then local boards of elections. But uh, two of those agencies uh, have done some of that, and two have not yet. But it is uh, also true that those numbers are very low. They're like less than 500 even from each of the agencies that have done it, while the Secretary of State's office has really a lot of interface with the public. And, you know, they're the ones who have gotten more than like 800,000 people registered in in a couple of years. So we'll see where that goes. It it obviously will be a – a topic of continued discussion at the State House as Bourne and Butler also called for another legislative hearing on this. And my guess is that will happen uh, even under the Democrats because nobody wants the system to go on with questions continuing to rise up. Um, uh, Doug, I think you, uh, on another topic, uh, covered a situation where uh, some sheriffs from Illinois have sued to block the Trust Act from taking effect involving uh, people who are in the country not legally and being let out of prison. Yeah, uh, was, uh, just to back up for a minute, uh, a week or so ago, a number of sheriffs were in uh, complaining about a new state policy uh, uh, where uh, people who are undocumented who uh, committed crimes and were sentenced to prison uh, were being released into uh, communities when they completed their sentences. Um, these sheriffs thought that uh, um, they should be detained in uh, uh, the county jail in Kankakee pending the uh, determination of whether they uh, are in the country legally or not. Um, and what happens is they uh, get a detainer uh, order, I believe, that the feds issue that somebody should be kept uh, 
uh, in custody until they decide uh, what their status should be. In any event, uh, these, uh, the key county sheriff was one of the people who was at this news conference complaining about this new policy. He is also one of the people, one of the four sheriffs who sued to overturn the Trust Act, saying that uh, federal law, which provides for these detainers to be issued while people's uh, status is being evaluated, takes precedence over the state law, which uh, basically says that you have to have a reason uh, stipulated... Uh, in a warrant, right? Yeah. Um, in, in order to hold somebody, for, and not just their direct... Not, they can't be held just because of their immigration status right. uh, under the Trust Act, which is interesting because it was Republican Governor Honor who also signed the Trust Act, um, which caused somewhat of a giant blowback in the Republican Party, which is why a certain former state representative named Jeannie Ives almost defeated him in a primary after that, and she's not running for Congress up north in a, in a contested race, so a little bit of history there, too. But uh, uh, any... So this is... I think this was... Is this a federal lawsuit that they this filed? Just, just filed in federal court. Interestingly, uh, I don't have the names of the uh, all of the sheriffs involved. I know the Kankakee County Sheriff was. Uh, the other three, interestingly enough, two are being sued under for violating the Trust Act, and the, uh, the third one had been sued for violating the Trust Act, so... Uh, they obviously have a stake in trying to see this thing overturned. There you, well, well, something to keep an eye on. Also to keep an eye on, well, we're talking coronavirus quite a bit, but Illinois still has a primary coming up Tuesday. Uh, uh, obviously, in the national scope, the big issue is who gets the Democratic presidential nomination. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been on a roll. Bernie Sanders has uh, not uh, has won some states along the way in the last two batches of Tuesdays, but Biden has uh, cleaned up most of those uh, states. Uh, Illinois is one of, I think, four coming up on Tuesday. Uh, there's some concern. I know even in Sangamon County, a couple of precincts have been moved out of uh, folks for uh, homes for elderly residents just to make sure the coronavirus is not a problem. We'll see how turnout goes. Uh, but I guess uh, there's a lot of Illinois Democratic firepower that seems to be uh, getting behind and had been behind uh, the vice president, uh, former vice president Joe Biden. But Bernie Sanders uh, came relatively close to Hillary Clinton in a primary uh, four years ago. So we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, any predictions from the the mind of Finky? Uh, no predictions, uh, because uh, the, there are so many wild cards in this, especially for how the, uh, the the effect of the coronavirus is going to, if that's going to depress turnout. Uh, that has been apparently one of the problems for Bernie Sanders in states is that uh, uh, he has said that his message appeals to young people, and uh, uh, the problem is that those young people have not been coming out to vote in state so far, so, uh, you know, we'll see if there's a double whammy here that they are uninterested to begin with and then get scared off by the coronavirus or some other uh, problem. And I have an alternative, just a possibility, is that older folks tend to perhaps be more for Biden and younger folks more for Bernie, but older folks are more worried about the virus. So maybe they decide not to go vote. Uh, I'm, I'm not encouraging or discouraging. I'm just saying what might be. So we'll, we'll take a look. Are you saying we could have a, a final result of like 99 for Biden? 
Sanders or something like hey, that. Hey, in the news business, as long as it comes early, we'll be fine. Yeah, you got so, it. All right, Doug, thanks for that. That will do it for this week's episode of Under the Dome. We'll be back next week with more on the latest in Illinois government. Hey, and some results from the primary. Until then, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Uh, for Doug Finke, this is Bernie Schoenberg. Stay safe and healthy out there, and thanks for listening. Thank you.